Welcome back to PT Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. This is the last part of my interview with Kenneth Adivino. In this episode, he continued to talk about his experience in working in the emergency department. He also emphasized how important the role of physical therapists is in the discharge process in the acute care setting. He describes the challenges he faced in practicing in both settings here in the U.S. And he also added insights on working with patients with psychiatric conditions in the acute care setting. So again, let's come take a listen. Let's go back to your um, acute care practice. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a while back when we were like um, conversing before that you also practice in sometimes in the emergency department. So how is that? Because in the Philippines, we don't uh, have physical therapists practicing in the emergency department. So how, how, how is that in, in, in that kind of setting? What does physical therapists do in the emergency department? All right. So what the physical therapist, okay, uh, physical therapy in the emergency room department is a trending uh, area mm-hmm. of practice, practice for the profession. Yeah. Um, there is now a need. That's really the very acute of all the acute. Right, care. right, right. <laughs> I mean, people would go into the, the emergency department for about like, very unstable. Yeah. Medical condition, you know. So so far in the hospital that I work in, the physical therapists are being called in the emergency room to uh, see their uh, impairments and functional limitations if they are suspected of stroke. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so um, um, I do uh, the usual physical therapy examination in the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they don't just refer the patients. They make sure that the patient is at least within their vital signs, they're stable. Mm-hmm. So, because with that one, because you know, Stroke can be evolving. Right, right. Can be you know, transient at, at first, then evolves yeah, through a full brain. And then evolves, and then before it stabilizes. Uh-huh. So sometimes you teach the caregivers, if there are any caregivers, mm-hmm. you teach them on um, what could be, if let's say the patient progressively weakens later mm-hmm. on, uh-huh. like how to teach them like to transfer from this to a chair and then... Mm. You know, then send them to the hospital afterwards. You know, something like that. You mm-hmm. check for their strength. You check for their balance. You check for their coordination. Mm-hmm. You check for the way they walk. You check for their bed mobility skills. Um, you uh, you try to check them for that, and then you try to do the necessary um, adjustments. You teach them. Um, how to use a walker, mm-hmm. how to use a cane, make mm-hmm. sure that they're not false. Actually, it's like most of the time, it's making sure that they're not false risk, that they're okay. not going to fall at home, mm-hmm. that they're not going to fall at home. So something like that. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Now, if it's an orthopedic case, if it's an orthopedic case, usually it's a very simple orthopedic case that just requires outpatient surgery or probably... Um, just like an uh, internal fixation. Mm-hmm. Um, no, sorry, not internal fixation. I mean, uh, close reduction. I mean, okay. let's say a fracture, then just a close reduction. Uh-huh. And then they are placed into a boot, for instance. Mm-hmm. And then you have to teach them how to use the crutch mm-hmm. before they, they, before they, you know, they're sent home. So something like that. That's what we, that's what we do in the emergency room. So technically, if you're going to ask me what we do there, we examine them the usual 
mm-hmm. check for their bed mobility, their transfers, balance assessment, ambulation, check their sensation. Um, and then you screen them also for other issues. Like uh, if you see that their speech is starting to get slurred, you might, and there's, they have some swallowing difficulties. That's when I tell the doctor, uh, you might want to do a speech therapy consult for this patient. Mm-hmm. Or if you see that there's like an ADL issue, like feeding issue, patient cannot use um, some uh, dining utensils. That's when I tell the doctor, the patient might benefit from an occupational therapy consult. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, something like that. But so for, again, for ortho... Mm-hmm. But it's, it's usually, yeah, um, it's usually on fall risk assessment and... Yeah, making sure that they're, they're not false risk. Uh-huh. Making sure that they don't have they don't have other issues they don't have other mobility issues mm-hmm. and patient education caregiver education mm-hmm. and related to physical uh, related to rehabilitation not physical right. care but rehabilitation, rehabilitation rehabilitation itself mm-hmm. uh-huh. so that includes speech swallowing mm-hmm. uh adls and stuff mm-hmm. and also in um assistive device training yes assistive mm-hmm. device training that includes that one determining what's the best assistive device for them mm-hmm. because i've had patients before yeah, they were. They had a fracture, and then the patient undergone close reduction. Mm-hmm. They put a boot on the uh, ankle and leg, mm-hmm. and then they're not pretty sure whether to use a crutch or to use a walker for this patient. Right. So that's when the physical therapist would come in. They want to send this patient home. The patient mm-hmm. doesn't really need to be admitted to the hospital. Mm-hmm. So the doctor is not really sure whether to give a crutch or a cane. Mm-hmm. I mean, crutch or walker, I mean. Mm-hmm. So that's when physical therapy can call the comes, physical in. comes in uh-huh. to do some crutch walking instruction or assistive device assessment, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. Or the patient might need a wheelchair. <laughs> right, right, right. So how did you feel yeah. when you found out that you will be practicing in an emergency department? Oh, actually... Um, it was kind of exciting and terrifying at the same time because you uh-huh. know it's the emergency room. Right. You know how unstable the patients are in the mm-hmm. emergency room. You know, mm-hmm. and how hectic the emergency room is. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I was kind of like panicking: Will I be called like at twelve midnight just to see a patient <laughs> in the emergency room? Right, but right, right. Fortunately, I haven't been called yet. Knock on wood, uh-huh. I haven't been called yet to do some physical <laughs> therapy because you know a stroke can happen at any time. Right. Where somebody could have a stroke at twelve midnight. So. Will I be able to do that? I, uh-huh. I mean, I, am I going to do that? So far, I haven't done that one. <laughs> and also the patient will thing. be like, um, yeah, I think I, I'm having a stroke. Why would I have physical therapy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, from what I've noticed, they really make sure that the vitals are stable at least uh-huh. in the emergency room. Uh-huh. Um, they're not. Uh, most of the patients that I've seen in the emergency room are actually they're already good to go. Okay. When you see them, they're not like in distress, like they're uh-huh. not like having like uh, or like a slurred speech or something like that. Yeah. No, most of the stroke patients that I've seen in the emergency room or are being suspected of having a stroke, they're actually ninety percent fine. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Seldom that I've seen. Uh, obvious uh, you know, deficits. Or, uh, no, obvious deficits. Mm, in the yeah. acute care, yes, they are. Yeah. They're they are really having some mobility issues in that uh-huh. one. So, but in the emergency departments, uh, most of the time they're fine when you go there for a session. Yeah, session. most of the time they're fine. That's the funny part. Most of the time they're they're fine. They're just, the doctor is just wanting to make sure that this patient is not really a false risk when they send this patient home. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. how? Um, 
in in assessment in evaluating a, a, a patient in the emergency department does it have to be fast as well or you can do like you can take your time in, in evaluating the whole uh, the the whole system of the the patient you can take your time you got oh, okay. you just have to do what you have to do uh-huh. you got to do what you want to do for the patient Mm. Uh, make like sure you said, screen everything mm-hmm. make, like what I've said if you've seen this patient having like a speech issue mm-hmm. some memory or cognitive issues already mm-hmm. that's when you know you really have to because again as a physical therapist you're not just limited to those aspects of mobility aspects right. of impairments like strength balance uh, what muscle strength balance bed mobility transfers ambulation mm-hmm. sens- sensation no mm-hmm. You're not only limited to that one. Mm-hmm. You right. can also sc- screen for cognition, for right. speech and yeah. language, Correct. for ADL. When I say screen, you do not really have to do objective findings on that one. Mm-hmm. When I say screen, you can just ask the caregiver. That's already screening. Yep. Yeah. Let's say the patient is in comatose. Uh-huh. You know, if you ask the caregiver, um, how does how is this patient? you know um, before the event or if the patient cannot speak for yeah or if the patient cannot speak for himself mm-hmm. I mean, he can already ask the caregiver that's already part of the screening mm-hmm. you know yeah. or mm-hmm. if you ask the patient and then or if you talk to the patient and you're already seeing some difficulty in communicating with you some delayed in thought processes right you might want to uh, you might want to put there in your note that the patient might benefit for further evaluation by a speech therapist something right. like that and also you get to prepare the the caregiver the family member on what mm-hmm. to expect um, after um, being discharged in the emergency department so that they know yeah. how to handle it right yep that's right so in practicing right. in both settings in in both acute care and outpatient setting what are the what do you think are the lessons that you've learned in, in practicing in both settings uh the lessons that i've learned in practicing in both settings is that um i think i we are just a very valuable member of the healthcare team mm-hmm. um your role as a physical therapist actually here in the united states i really felt our value as a physical therapist you are really the movement expert here mm-hmm. um, you are the mobility expert so our job is very you know very much appreciated right. and i've learned to become more critical in my clinical thinking skills in my clinical mm-hmm. decision making skills because mm-hmm. uh, technically you are a doctor actually so you mm-hmm. are on your own mm-hmm. you have you have your own you have your own set of practice right you have your own boundaries within your practice you have no your own one scope. will tell you mm-hmm, you have your own scope no one will tell you do only passive range no mm-hmm. one will tell you that although they can tell you at times but most of the time no one mm-hmm. so you will have to do your best clinical judgment in here in the outpatient for instance um let's say i have a vestibular case mm-hmm. is it really a bppv mm-hmm. or is it really like a central lesion central. or something mm-hmm. like that or mm-hmm. like a vestibular issue as a result of autotoxicity something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. or you're having vestibular issues because 
you've just had a recent infection mm-hmm. something like that so mm. you know um you got to figure out where the issue is really coming from mm-hmm. you know something like so it's i i really like the less the main lesson that i really learned here is that you really have to be very diligent mm-hmm. in your clinical decision making skills mm-hmm. because you're really very you're an independent uh independent member of the healthcare team independent and codependent at the same time because mm-hmm. you it's again it's the rehabilitation team so you have to uh, there will come a time that you have to talk to the other members of the healthcare team mm-hmm. even outside the hospital setting or outside the clinic mm-hmm. such that i have to contact the orthotist sometimes i even have to call uh, to talk to the case manager right, right. Say for instance for instance in the acute care so in the acute care your role there as a physical therapist is to really see where this patient will go after being discharged from the hospital mm-hmm. So will the patient benefit from an inpatient rehab? Will the patient benefit from a skilled nursing? Mm-hmm. Other than preventing the impairments of long uh, long term hospitalization, you know, long term long term effects of immobility. Mm-hmm. Your uh, role in the discharge planning is very significant. You are not the one who will tell the patient when to be discharged from the right. hospital because that's the doctor's job or the physician's job. Right. But to where where to send the patient after being discharged is one of your roles there you have to tell the case manager just like what i had a while ago um the patient had a hip replacement um you know the patient stays with a caregiver mm-hmm. but the patient is really weak mm-hmm. the patient cannot even get up from the bed uh-huh. um so you give them their the, your strong recommendation yeah the, caregiver, yeah the caregiver wants to send the patient back home mm-hmm. He wants to take care of the patient, but apparently he's not also able because the caregiver has also other medical issues. Right. We have so, a lot of cases like that too, right? Yeah. So we have to really convince the uh, caregiver that it's not safe for this patient to be sent home. Mm-hmm. It's not safe for the patient it's, and it's not safe for you as the caregiver because you might injure yourself in taking care of this patient. Right, right. So you have to tell them that this patient might benefit in a skilled nursing first, mm-hmm. just build some uh, some strength in their muscles mm-hmm. before you know they can be sent home at least right. get a home health therapist something like that right, so right. and then you have to tell the case manager about it you know mm-hmm. and then you have to sometimes uh even uh write an appeal to the insurances mm-hmm. oh, sometimes they will not one. cover for, mm-hmm, sometimes they will not cover the inpatient rehab for instance right right mm-hmm. so um what are the uh, challenges that you you encountered when you first um, moved here in the U.S. and went into like acute care, emergency department, and outpatient setting. The, can you think of uh, um, challenges that you faced when you started and, and how you handled those? Okay, the challenges that I faced is first. So let me start first with the outpatient. Um, in the outpatient, the challenges that I faced is that you being an independent clinician getting right. a big diagnosis like what i've said knee pain like what am i gonna treat with knee pain where is this right, knee right. pain coming from um mm-hmm. those kinds of stuff mm-hmm. uh how did i deal with that i that's why i took my dpt <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's what i took my dpt because in the dpt school 
um, actually in the DPT school, from the school that I've been, they did not really focus much on the differentials. That, uh, differentials. Uh-huh, but? But they focus more on when to refer a patient back to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Is it an urgent referral or a, a current, you know, or a referral, but you need a, the patient needs a referral, but not urgent, or the patient doesn't need referral at all. Or at all. Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of stuff. Um, uh-huh. next, How about in the emergency department? In the emergency department, it actually I'm I'm, I'm going to combine the emergency and and the acute care. Acute care. Um, uh-huh. Challenges that I've dealt with is with the case managers at times. Um, uh-huh. Like, you know, sometimes the patient cannot really move. <laughs> For instance, mm-hmm. but they want me to make the patient walk because apparently they already found a placement. Uh, uh, because his insurance will not pay for this, will not pay for 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 see, for a right. home health. So I have to yeah. make this patient walk, or else uh, this patient this patient will stay longer in the hospital. Something right, like, right, like that kind of stuff. You know. Yeah. But sometimes as much as we want to, we're not miracle workers. Yeah, right? we're not we're miracle yeah. workers. Um but we try in those our cases, best. well in those in those cases I just you just really have to have a good documentation skills. Right. And even mm. and protect even you. Pro- uh, to protect yourself. And sometimes even it's not just you that will attest to that. Even the nurses will attest to that one too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right. so you know, those kinds of stuff. Um uh, I think I forgot to mention that I'm also doing physical therapy in the psychiatric ward oh, wow, of the hospital because our hospital oh. also has a psychiatric ward. It has mm-hmm. three units, the uh, geriatric, the adults, and the adolescents. Yeah. That, that's, that's really challenging because we um, in the SNF, we have we get a lot of psychiatric patients and it's really difficult for them. I imagine it's more difficult if it's uh, in, in the, the hospital. Care. Yeah, in the acute, uh, acute care, care. In the uh-huh. acute care because, um, you know, again, it's the acute care. So they're really uh-huh. more emotionally <laughs> unstable. Right. They're more emotionally uh-huh. unstable and you got to make them walk. Oh, correct. And, and if, if, probably their medications are not yet uh-huh. synced or balanced to their... And for Needs. our and for our audience, if people, if if they're wondering what's the role of the physical therapy in the psychiatric ward setting, right? Uh-huh. I just want to let you know some some of the psychiatric illnesses are. I just realized this actually when I started to work in the psychiatric setting. Some of the psychiatric illnesses are really can really impair one's mobility and function. Say, mm. for instance, if uh, the severity of schizophrenia is really bad. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they don't even realize that they've been in bed for like seven days. Really? Oh. They've been in bed for seven days. Mm-hmm. So because they don't know what's going on, <laughs> they you know uh-huh. their mind is not there. Right. And and they're they taking a lot of um, medications. Uh, medications. Too. They're taking mm-hmm. out medications. So you as a physical therapist, you gotta get them going. Mm-hmm. You, you gotta get them up from that bed. Or mm-hmm. they're locking themselves. We're not really locking, but they're just in the room. They don't want to go mm-hmm. out. Right. You know? And you know that exercise improves mental well-being as well. Correct. So uh, you as a physical therapist is a uh, purveyor of exercise in that facility. So, I mean, in that setting to improve. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, studies have shown that exercise promotes 
mental uh, mental health. And again, like what I've right. said, a lot of psychiatric diseases or illnesses can really be, you know, debilitating when it uh, comes to uh, mobility and function. Like right, some of them, right. some of them actually they are walking. I mean, uh, their balance are not that bad, but because uh, of their mental illness, they're just sitting in the chair for for the whole day. Right, right. And, and we know that inactivity would produce uh, muscle atrophy. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, what um, could you think of uh, traits that you had um, in, in your training in the Philippines that you brought or you, you felt was essential for you when you um, went here in the U.S. in your practice and also what are the traits that you learned from your practice here that you probably wasn't that much of a big deal in the Philippines but was really uh, something that is really useful here that you learned. Okay. Uh, I think one of the traits from the Philippines that I'm really proud that I brought here is, mm-hmm. um, I would say, our work ethics. Mm-hmm. So when I say work ethics, we are really dedicated to our job. Mm-hmm. We are, and the job for us is not just a job. It's really a passion. Right. So I would say <clears throat> it's not just a way to get dollars. It's not just a way mm-hmm. to get money it's mm. a way to express what you want in life and that's mm-hmm. that is to help others i think filipinos mm-hmm. by nature we are you know a very helpful and passionate individuals we really mm-hmm. like to take care of people so mm-hmm. i think that's one of the traits that i brought here in the united states is that you know sometimes you go beyond your job as a physical therapist for your patients in the um Let's say, for instance, in the uh, in the uh, in the acute care, sometimes you know, if the personal care assistant or the CNA is not available, sometimes you uh, you also like um, bring them coffee in their room. That's true. That's true. something like that. You know, uh-huh. so uh, we go we, above and beyond. We go, we go above and beyond um, the job description. <laughs> sometimes That's true. you can also be the maintenance department. <laughs> Now, especially here with the current coronavirus thing, so mm. well, I do not just depend on the maintenance people to clean and disinfect the uh, treatment areas in the outpatient. So I, I, as much as possible, I well, not as much as possible, I really have to disinfect all the equipment that I right. use with the patient. So yeah, that's know, everyone's role now. That's everyone's role now. It's not just a housekeeper's role now or the maintenance right. department's role. It's, it's your role now because you were the ones who saw this patient. You know the medical condition of this patient. So you might be as well be doing that right. and then and then for instance in my case in the outpatient i'm not just a clinician i i also deal with the insurances so mm-hmm. i talk to the insurance people i have to familiarize myself with the icd 10 codes i have to familiarize myself with the billing i have to familiarize myself with the phone numbers mm-hmm. who to talk to what does a copay mean what does what does a deductible right. mean um yeah. you know those kinds of yeah. terms with the insurance you know in the philippines i do not have to deal with those no, because the no. patients pay from out of their pocket here Correct. i have to understand what a copay means what a deductible mm. means what a mm-hmm. premium means you right know, something like that 
um, yeah. with you know those kinds of stuff. And, so I have I, Filipinos go beyond that one, and mm-hmm. we are very much willing to help. Now right. with the traits that I've, I've learned here in the United States, I think um, I don't know because the practice in the Philippines is kind of different. The healthcare mm-hmm. system is kind of different. When a patient comes to the doctor. The doctor sends the patient to a different medical practitioners before that patient gets sent to a physical therapist. Here, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. Because again, physical therapy here is kind of like direct access. Correct. Patient comes to a doctor, and then the patient, uh, the doctor sends the patients to you. So sometimes the patient just spent five minutes in the doctor's office. Uh huh. And so, you do more assessment than them. Yeah, you do more assessment than them. That's why your mm. ability to screen a patient. Again, not really diagnose because diagnosis is the job of the doctors. Mm-hmm. Not even when, not even when uh, with the diagnostic imaging thing. Mm-hmm. You, can, you, can read, you can read the x-ray, the CT scan, mm-hmm. the MRI, but mm-hmm. you do not really tell the patient that, hey, you got a ruptured disc. Right, you know, right. You don't, you don't tell them that. Yeah, or, you just explain what, like in layman's terms, what the interpretation is so that they can understand what it means. And yeah. then ask the doctor for further information. For further, for further information, yeah. Mm-hmm. That, like, you know, yeah, you don't really tell them that, hey, you got a uh, fracture on your back. No, you don't tell mm-hmm. them that one because mm-hmm. that's going beyond the scope of your practice. But if mm-hmm. you see something weird on the x-ray, that's when you talk to the doctor. Right. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, so, in short, the thing that I really learned here in my practice here in the U.S. that would be an utmost important in the Philippines is, like, I guess is, you know, the ability to screen the patient, mm-hmm. patient mm-hmm. education. Actually, mm-hmm. it's more of patient education because in the Philippines uh, we don't do much. We don't do much patient education in the Philippines. Right. I, I think the only yeah. thing that we do there is, yeah, we do home exercise program. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, we give yeah. them we give them home exercise program, mm-hmm. but it's not really like, you know, telling them that let's say this patient is a clerk in the office. You don't tell them they adjust your seat. Right. Right. Adjust your seat. Adjust your the monitor mm-hmm. of your screen. Yeah. Um, yeah. uh, you know, when to do the exercises, mm-hmm. yeah. how mm-hmm. will this help you? How will you prevent this from coming back in the future? Right, right. You know, we do a lot of patient education here. We mm-hmm. try to empower our patients as much as we can, you mm-hmm. know, um, because, you know, information now is readily available to this patient. And as a physical therapist, right. it's, it's your job to clarify those information that they get from the internet. And Exactly. And uh, to clarify stuff with them, right? Because again, an, I, empower, I, an empowered patient is a compliant patient. So, right, that's with nice. Compliance comes great responsibility. <laughs> great responsibility. With great <laughs> compliance comes with great responsibility. No, with, great, with great compliance comes better and significant improvements in functions. Right, right. That's right. So, well, but I. I think, um, in fairness, with the Philippine practice, we do our um, patient education there. Um, I remember also when I was working in hospitals. I think I think with different settings, 
um, there are different levels of patient education that you can provide. But for for settings in the Philippines that are less patient load, you can provide more patient education mm-hmm. as um, opposed to those who are in settings that you you handle a lot of patients yeah. where you, you sometimes provide this little um, patient education. But I, but I, I believe um, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it, it's in, it depends on the setting in the Philippines, yeah. how on the time and how much you can provide patient, patient. education. Yeah. Patient, edu- yeah, patient mm-hmm. education, yeah. And then, like, what we do here also, like, some task modification. Correct. Like yeah. that. You advise mm-hmm. them on how can they deal with this thing at work? How can mm-hmm. they still be functional even though uh, their elbow hurts or their knee hurts? Right. You know, right. those kinds of things. And then, actually, the funny thing is that a lot of my patients would come to me and I tell them what's going on with them and then they will uh, some of them will be like not um only a few of their doctors have told them what's really going on with them mm. and, and we explain it better we ex- yeah we try to explain it better and how it affects to their function and why why right. is it why is it that they're having difficulty with such aspect of their activities of daily living for instance so mm. we we try to explain to them it's because of this and this and yeah. this, you know. Yeah. And with that one, they become really like engaged in their uh, treatment. Right. And, yeah. yeah. The more that they, they know about their disease process, the more that they understand it, the more they see the importance of what doing they do in physical therapy. Yeah. Right. The mm-hmm. more that they find meaning to what they do in physical therapy. So... Yeah, like what I've said, more uh, good compliance lead to uh, significant achievement in functional outcomes. So okay. right, right. So again, okay, uh, so well, that was a, a great conversation with you, uh, uh, Kenneth. So are you ready for your last question? <laughs> so we're now in our last question. All right, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Bring it on. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> so in in your practice or in in life in general what would be the three ingredients that you think that are essential in your life right now it can be in your practice it can be in your life in general that you always carry with you three things it can be a person it can be an event it can be a a trait it can be a personality whatever it is that you feel that is important uh, that you always carry with you in each and every day of your practice and in, in your life? Okay. The three things that I carry a lot in the acute care, my best friend is the walker. <laughs> <laughs> my best friend is the walker. Okay. Oh, my best friend is the walker and my aide. Because <laughs> um, in, the, in the hospital that I work, I really get a lot of um, bariatric cases. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are really very important to me. I cannot live without my gate built and without the walker or even the podium. I cannot live without the mask because I need to wear the mask. <laughs> um, in the outpatient, um, in the outpatient, I need that movable desk. 
<laughs> to document while I'm okay. seeing the patient because you don't have much time really actually to document. So while you're seeing the patient, you're already starting to document what you're doing with the patient. Um, and then when it comes to the trait in general, both in the acute care and and in the outpatient is your ability to relate well with people. Because mm-hmm. um, our profession, I could say it's a service kind of profession. It's service oriented. It's mm-hmm. service oriented. You're not the boss there. Your patient mm-hmm. is your boss. So, so you have to deal with your patient really well. You really have to be an effective listener. Mm-hmm. You have to be an effective listener. Uh, I would say la- language is still a barrier for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a lot of slang here. That's not really mm-hmm. a common slang. Like I don't know before when I first got in here. I don't know what a buggy is. Mm-hmm. Just to What's find out, it's a pu- it's a push cart. Oh, <laughs> it's a push cart. Um, so something like that. So they have their own slang here. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you really have to relate well to your patient. Be an effective uh-huh. listener. If you didn't get what they're saying, just just try to repeat the question. I mean, repeat what they're saying, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and see if you understand them, if, you can, if see, your understanding yeah. is correct. Yep. Uh, and then try try to put yourself in your patient's shoes. Because mm-hmm. I remember one time I asked my patient who has a back pain, and then, and then I asked, I told him, to, in order for you to avoid or to lessen your back pain, try to lessen the time in which you go, or or with or in which you uh, lessen the time in which you walk uphill. Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Well, we are in West Virginia. We are in the mountains. Tell me what yeah. area here is it? Tell me a fl- where's the a flat area here? <laughs> Nothing like uh, that. Yeah. So you have mm-hmm. to you have to try to uh, imagine yourself in your patient's uh, situation as well. You have to be you have to empathize with them." Mm-hmm. You know, right. you have to be an emphatic uh, therapist. Therapist, not just like giving them instructions and stuff yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. You have to relate to them and 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 try to put yourself in their situation. Yeah, try to put yourself in their situation. Uh, that's why you always ask them with their goals. So you, I always ask my patient, what do you want to get out of physical therapy? Mm-hmm. You know, what do you want to get out of physical therapy? After this, after all of this, what do you want to get from from this service that I'm gonna give you? Right, right. And try yeah, to meet try to meet them in the middle. Right. Because yeah. when the importance there of asking them also with, with what their goals are is to have them engage. If they have that um goal in their mind, then it will the motivation comes from them and you don't need to push them that hard yeah. as opposed to having your own goal for their goal for them which they don't like or they they're, they're not aiming for then you will be having a hard time motivating them that's right yeah. that's right mm-hmm. that's right and you know you will they, like i said if they understand what's going on with them they will be able to cooperate with you more they'll mm-hmm. be more patient with you they will be mm-hmm. they'll be willing to uh, work through the pain correct and work over the pain mm-hmm. something like that because a lot of patients you know let's say for instance because a basic philosophy of your patients for instance is that why am i going to move when i'm in pain i'm already in mm-hmm. pain just let me rest 
Right. You know, yeah. I, it doesn't make sense that I'm going to move while mm-hmm. I'm already in pain. So you really have to explain to them what's going to happen if they move and what kind of mm-hmm. movement they're going to do. You have to remove that fear. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to remove that fear. Work on their uh, work on their belief that you know mm-hmm. pain is gonna. I mean, exercise is gonna cause further pain. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, something right. like that. Yep. So you have to be more uh, try to convince them that you know right. exercise is medicine. Right. That's uh, that's what we been taught in the school, and and that's what we're um, living by that mm-hmm. our exercises are therapeutic. It's like medicine. You take it every day, twice a day, twice do a those day. exercises. Yeah. Yeah. Do those exercises. Cause mm-hmm. like what I said, the shift now in healthcare is not in, you know, not with the pills or everything. It's more of like promoting a healthy lifestyle th- through mm-hmm. diet and exercise and if yeah. you already have the disease or the illness or the pathology, um, not all diseases and pathology can be dealt with those pills or surgeries even. Correct. And then yeah. with the rising cost of healthcare, especially in the United States, the role of the physical therapist in preventing the patient to undergo surgery is very important mm-hmm. or to minimize their stay in the hospital. Right. And that also plays a big role on the importance of the physical therapist in 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 those uh, in, in that goal of yeah. promoting lifestyle activity. Right. Yeah. Well, again, thank you, Kenneth, for You're your very time. You're welcome. And I hope this is not the last uh, time that we talk and and be yeah, a guest sure. on the show. Okay. All right. Sure. Okay, All thank right. you. Hey, have a good night. So that's another episode of PD Meal Physical Therapy Podcast. If you like what you've heard, make sure to share it with your friends. Share it in your social media stories. Make sure to tag the show in Facebook and Instagram at PD Meal Podcast. Follow the show's social media pages as well for updates. Also, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank everyone who has supported the show and the guests, especially to those who follow the show in Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So stay tuned again next week for another serving of Pete Neal Physical Therapy Podcast. See you!